I'm Larry Kruger. He's Ryan Smith. Welcome to the Tales from the Bay podcast. As we uh, look at the San Francisco 49ers in the 2022 NFL season. Well, the 49ers have arrived at the bye week, Ryan, and they are four wins and four losses. Um, and, you know, it's it's not been the kind of year that you would have thought it was, was going to be because they lost to Denver, lost to Chicago, lost to Atlanta. Um, you know, the only loss on their schedule that I think a lot of people thought would actually be a loss at the beginning of the year was the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that was a very one-sided game. And then and then the 49ers have also found a way to sweep the Rams uh, en route to getting four wins. Um, so they're, they're 500 at the break, and we'll see where they go. Um, I'm thinking, you know, so they're, they're eight games into a 17-game schedule. So there's nine games left. And I'm thinking six and three. Uh, down the stretch, I, you know, I thought 11 and six out of the shoot. Now I'm thinking more like 10 and seven for the 49ers. But overall, I think um, very interesting first eight games. And like always in the NFL, it did not go according to plan. No, I mean, this has just been uh, one of the most wild years uh, since I've been watching football, at least. Uh, luckily for the 49ers, uh, the past couple of years, it's been like, you know, there's always a couple teams that are close to 13 wins and you kind of got to get out to a hot start and you got to sprint, sprint, sprint. If you want to win the NFC West and if you want to get a high seed this year, it's all about it's a marathon. Uh, the four and four puts them in a great spot. I believe they're if the you know season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs at four and four. So I think it's just about survive and advance, get as healthy as possible you know, figure out all this cool new stuff they can do with McCaffrey and Debo. And I mean, honestly, Lair, I, I feel like they're probably going to end up nine and seven just cause let's be real. Like they've turned 10, 10, 10 and seven, 10 or, and seven or nine and six. I was going to say, and, was gonna say the nine and eight for me is going to be or, my oh, guess just cause they, they, okay. they screw up. They're going to screw up some game versus some crappy team or in some, easy spot they're gonna let down i i but not the thing is is i think nine and eight actually wins this division the way things are looking well let's talk a little bit about last week 49ers get a nice win over the rams to sweep the season series and i think you know even though i think most people would start their conversation with christian mccaffrey i think we ought to start out with jimmy garoppolo garoppolo is 21 of 25 he completed 84 percent of his passes it's the highest percentage completion percentage by a 49er quarterback in a regular season game since Steve Young did it in 1997. So 21 of 25, 84% for Garoppolo, 235 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times. But overall, um, he threw two would-be interceptions to Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey dropped them both. Uh, you could make an argument that, um, you know, Christian McCaffrey's fumble could have gone to anybody, but it went to Ray Ray McLeod. The 49ers have struggled this year with turnovers. They've had a couple games where they've been minus three in turnovers. They very easily could have been minus three in this game, but weren't. And probably because they they uh, could avoid those turnovers, they wound up leaving uh, SoFi Stadium with a nice little victory. And uh, I think if you're a 49er fan, you got to feel pretty good about where they're sitting at the bye uh, coming out of L.A. Oh, yeah. I don't think that it's possible for them to go from that blowout versus the Chiefs, which was kind of demoralizing, like, oof, that's the bet. You know, they, they just size themselves up at home versus, you know, the top competition in the league and fell flat on their face. So, I mean, this is this with no Debo, with no juice, with no Armstead, with every, you know, a lot of guys still banged up. And they were able to get it done with their brand new shiny weapon. And Jimmy G plays his best game probably since 2019, at least. Uh, Shanahan gets the monkey off his back in terms of the one in 29 when trailing by three or more at half. McVay, that is now the, only the second time where he's lost a game when he was leading at half. The other time was, I believe, the last game of the regular season last year. So it's just a lot of good vibes heading into this uh into the into the bye week. 
Well, and Christian McCaffrey was absolutely spectacular. McCaffrey, 18 carries, 94 yards and a touchdown, average over five yards a carry. Then he caught eight balls for 55 yards and a touchdown as a receiver. And he threw one pass, and it was a 34-yard strike on the run uh, to Brandon Ayuk in the end zone for a touchdown. So he scores as a passer, as a runner, as a receiver. It's only happened three times in the history of the NFL. Um, pretty heady stuff, but, man, very impressive performance by Christian McCaffrey, who is not just one of the Niners' weapons. He steps right in as their premier weapon. Yeah, I think he – I actually would say he is their best offensive player already. Uh, I, I don't think that's too premature to say. I mean, the guy finished like sixth overall in 2019 when voted on by the players with that when he had a 1,000-1,000 season. I mean, look, Debo, Kittle, all these guys are unbelievable – but I, I kind of made the analogy in our, uh, you know, YouTube post game, kind of like the Golden State Warriors when they got Kevin Durant. It's like, you know, Draymond, Clay, these guys are Hall of Famers. But part of it is like they grew up in this system and the system revolving around Steph. You know, Debo Samuel is so unique and so incredible. He might not be the same guy for every team in the league. McCaffrey was the number, what, eight pick overall. Right. Uh, one of the best college football players of all time. He's had an immense workload with no quarterback play dating back to even like those, you, you know, declining cam years. And he's just been asked to essentially be an offense all on, onto himself, um, just getting a zillion touches. And I think that's part of what, you know, causes the injuries and stuff. And now all of a sudden he's like Kevin Durant stepping in here. He's got all the he's got all this room because of all these other weapons. And he's now this this safety blanket on every play. And it's just going to open things up for everybody else because he's freaking I mean, he's freaked the Rams defense out. They did not know what to do with him. Well, and for his effort, he wins the NFC's Offensive Player of the Week award. I mean, he he was fantastic. And then Brandon Ayuk, six catches, 81 yards and a touchdown. Ross Dwelly had a 56-yard catch. George Kittle was really strong. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I mean, Fred Warner had a terrible game against Kansas City, but he meant he bounced back in this one. 11 tackles, uh, a sack for Fred. He had a tackle for loss. He had two hits on the quarterback. Uh, Bosa also had a couple hits on the quarterback and a sack. Ray Ray McLeod made his presence felt on special teams with two good returns. And Robbie Gold hit a field goal, and the Niners dominated the second half, uh, winning the second half 21 0. Um, the other interesting news this week in Ninerland was the trade that on trade deadline day that sent Jeff Wilson to the Miami Dolphins for a 2023 fifth round pick. And, you know, it's interesting. I think the 49ers, John Lynch, talked about it later this week about how Jordan Mason has been outstanding on special teams and they really like what they have in Jordan Mason, um, the rookie undrafted free agent out of Georgia Tech. And they really believe, you know, they took Ty Davis Price at LSU in the third round and they're extremely high on Ty Davis Price and Lynch said as much this week. So you, to me, my read on the whole Jeff Wilson trade was that you can be frustrated with the trade, but there's only so many positions to go around and you have Christian McCaffrey, you got Elijah Mitchell coming back from an injury coming out of the bye week. And then you got Jordan Mason who they like a lot. And you got Ty Davis Price who they like a lot and you got a fullback spot for juice and you really don't have, and you got Tevin Coleman already in the practice squad. Um, I just think that when you really look closely at that decision, once they traded for McCaffrey, they didn't have to trade Jeff Wilson, but they were going to have to have some running back go. And if you said to 49er fans like today, this week, they're questioning, ah, should they have, should they have traded Jeff Wilson is a fifth round pick enough? So on and so forth. Um, but really the debate was going to be, which would you rather have? Would you rather get a fifth round pick in next year's draft for Jeff Wilson, who's a free agent at the end of the year and has fumbled eight or nine times in his career? Or do you want to cut Ty Davis Price or cut Jordan Mason? And I think all things being equal, I think I would have preferred this. As much as I respect Jeff Wilson, I think I would rather I'd rather cut, I'd rather trade Jeff Wilson for a fifth round pick in next year's draft than then cut uh, Jordan Mason and get and get nothing for him and have him walk. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, 
Jeff Wilson is a guy who's loved in the locker room. And I think all bunch, all 49ers fans and media like really respect the way the guy plays. He's just super solid. And he really, he carried, carried the water for him there with, with Mitchell out. And before they got McCaffrey, he was really the horse. So I like that they're sending him to the Dolphins. They're sending him to a team where he already knows the coach. He knows the scheme. He's provi- he, he'll actually provide them kind of a, mu- a must needed, uh, a much needed like thumper in the backfield because they were rolling with what Mostert and Gaskin. Uh, so I, I, I just like the trade and I like also, you know, there, there you go. I mean, the McCaffrey trade was what a, tr- it was a second, a, th- a third, a fourth and a fifth and 24. Well, now that fifth, now you can kind of say wash, you know, on that fifth. So now it's really just a second, a third and a fourth. Um, plus, I mean, they get Mitchell back and it's just like, how many running backs can you really carry on this roster? So, um, no, I, I, I thought it was a good move. I'm not, and I'm happy for Jeff too. Yeah. Great. Uh, you know, they, they did, they did right by Jeff. Um, as you said, you know, he's very popular in the room and now he gets to go to this is the last year of his contract too. So yeah, last year of his deal and he gets to go play in an offense that he knows, you know, and as far as the Ram game, the Niners defensive front in the second half of that game took it over. The Niners pressured Stafford on 42% of his dropbacks in the second half. And, you know, this is a 49er team that's four and four at the break, but in an ideal world, they're going to get a number of players back. I mean, they just beat the Rams in L.A., and they did it without Husechek, without Debo, without Jawan Jennings, no Elijah Mitchell, no Eric Armstead, no Aziz Al-Shair, no Dre Greenlaw, no Jordan Willis, no Jason Ferret, no Javon Kinlaw. They may get all of those guys back. Now, Elijah Mitchell's expected to return after the bye week. That came out this week. Um, but if you're a 40, if you're, you know, a 49er fan, you got to feel really good about um, kind of where the team is in overall, where they're at in the playoff picture, uh, where they're at in, in as far as their roster. You know, the 49ers now with the pick they got back from Miami for Jeff Wilson, I was looking at their draft picks for next year's draft because so many people are, are of the mindset. That, oh, my God, they've depleted oh, yeah. their. They've depleted their, 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 yeah, they mortgaged the future. As of today, they have two thirds, three fifths, a sixth, and three sevenths. So they have a lot of picks and they don't have a lot of needs. So that to me is, is really interesting to see that they made the deal. They added a great player in McCaffrey. Um, They won't, will not pick in the first two rounds in April's draft. But after that, they're going to be pretty busy. You know, they're going to be pretty busy. So I think ultimately uh, they did a nice balancing job between, you know, balancing going for it and preserving their assets. And, um, you know, and they did a really nice job in this last game on the defensive side, despite not having Kinlaw, no Armstead, no Emmanuel Mosley, no Greenlaw, no Aziz. I mean, you're talking about, you know, five starters of 11, you know, week one starters, and still the Niner defense held the Rams to zero points and 50 total yards of total offense over the final 35 minutes and 25 seconds of the game. And, you know, one other thing I think that needs to be mentioned here is the top rated passers in the NFC in order. Geno Smith, number one. Jalen Hurts, number two. The only other quarterback in the NFC with a passer rating over 100, Jimmy Garoppolo at 100.7. So that is interesting right there. Jimmy's playing well. The defense is getting healthy. They're winning despite the fact that they weren't healthy on the road against their division rival. Uh, their new acquisition was historically great in only a second game in a 49er uniform. And and so the arrow's pointing up on the Niners. You know, you never know. They could wind up losing a whole lot more bodies in this next game or two. And the whole thing could look differently, you know, look much different in two weeks. Uh, but right now, they look like, you know, a top team in the NFC, not the top team, but a top team. And um, a team that if they get back, you know, 95% of those players that they're slated to get back, uh, those guys come back at anything close to what they departed as, 49ers are going to have as good a chance of going to the Super Bowl as any team in the uh, NFC. And, um, 
you know, anytime you're hitting early, early November and you're, you know, uh, one of the most talented teams in your conference, you're doing something right. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, as far as Jimmy goes, I mean, he's doing exactly what you hope from Jimmy. He, I, I would say it's, it's fair to say that he's maybe lost them one game this year, that Denver game. I, I would really put a lot of the blame, almost not all of it, but a whole ton of it on uh, on Jimmy. Even though the Denver defense turned out to be pretty good, but since then he's been pretty he's been pretty clean. I mean, he's what eleven touchdowns, four interceptions. I think you ask most 49ers fans before the season, you're like, uh, "Is the how how does that sound? Eleven touchdowns, four interceptions for Jimmy?" I think everyone would be ecstatic. So he's he's getting it done. Is it surprisingly? And I know a lot of this is just the the yak yards or the run after catch yards, but he's I think he's fifth in yards per attempt as well. So yeah, I mean the the 49ers offense they're getting going. The defense is starting to look better. It's 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 just poised. It's setting up for just a phenomenal uh, you know end of the regular season and and uh, playoffs. I think Jimmy's realizing too as he matures as a player that. Yeah, the goal is to make plays, clearly. But the real, the primary goal, I mean, you want to make plays, but you really don't want to make negative plays. Avoiding negative plays is as equally as important as it is to make great plays. So, yeah, do you want to make great plays? Yeah, but you want to you want to eliminate negative plays. And if you can, you know, if, if you couldn't make any great plays in the game, if you can just eliminate making the hugely negative play, you can still win. You can still win. And I think Jimmy is so eager the one thing with Jimmy that is really clear, and it's admirable and frustrating at the same time, he tries to make every play. Tom Brady will throw it away. Drew Brees will throw it away. Patrick Mahomes will throw it away. Matthew Stafford, at times, even though he's got a lot of picks, he'll occasionally throw it away. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't understand when to throw it away and just go to the next play. And this year, I think we're starting to see some growth in that area. He's minimizing his negative plays. And, you know, yeah, would you want to have, would you want to be able to eradicate all your negative plays and have nothing but positive plays? Sure. But if you can just, if you can eliminate the hugely negative plays, even if you only make a couple of more plays a game, um, you know, that's going to help you win games because the NFL is so much about avoiding the big negative, avoiding the turnover, avoiding the, the, you know, the, the nightmare momentum changing negative play. Um, and, um, and he's done a better job of that. And that's, I think has a lot to do with their success thus far. And I think that's something that you're going to see more of, because I think he understands the more time goes on that, Making a play is important, but not, you know, staying out of the negative play is equally important. Yeah. And I think that's where McCaffrey comes in. It's like, yeah, you know, that, that touchdown he threw to him um, when McCaffrey leaked out into the flat and then just broke for the end zone, you know, that it looked very eerily similar to the Chiefs game where it was like, okay, you know, they're in the, they're in the red zone and now Jimmy's kind of holding it. He's tapping his feet. Nobody's open. Nobody's open. It's like, there's no McCaffrey. He might try and force that in somewhere, get it picked again or get sacked instead because he has McCaffrey. It's like, I mean, how can you not trust that guy? <laughs> so yeah. now I feel like he's at the point where, uh, it's cool because, you know, it's like worst case scenario, you can just dump it to McCaffrey and that's not even necessarily giving up, you know, if they need 10 yards, like you still get it to McCaffrey four yards down the field. That's, you know, that play's not dead. He could, he could easily make someone make two people miss and, and get a first down. So, and, and also I, I am happy. I mean, I'll give, I like that about Jimmy. Like, I think that it's probably harder to, it's probably harder to teach a quarterback to, have a short-term memory and like keep firing than it is to sort of rein them back. So uh, I do, if they can rein Jimmy back from all those kind of mistakes, then yeah, that's uh, I think that's, you know, yeah. You'd rather rein somebody in than try to make them take chances that they just aren't willing to take the, the guy who, I mean, he's not Brett Favre, but the guy I think of 
when I think of this is I think of Brett Favre in Green Bay, who was kind of a wild gunslinger coming out of Southern Miss and then early days with the Falcons. And then he goes to Green Bay in a trade and and Holmgren, you know, smoothed out his rough spots and Holmgren created that structure and he played within Holmgren's offense. And eventually he got to be just just an absolute unstoppable guy because he had that desire, crazy burning desire to make every play. But at the same time, he also could exist in, within structure uh, of that offense. And he just ran it to perfection. So, you know, maybe there's growth with Garoppolo as he gets older, as uh, he, he piles up more reps. And, um, you know, they got a real shot. They got a real shot. If they can get their defense healthy um, and get, you know, in sync and start to practice with a little bit more urgency, as Garoppolo described going into this Rams game. He said that's the key to the to when they have turned it around in the past is that their practices are better. They practice with more focus and more determination and greater urgency. And he said he felt like that urgency was something that he saw at practice going into the Rams game. So if it's something as simple as can you they refine their urgency, their backs are almost completely against the wall. They're going to need to make some to run, not run the table, but come close to it in the second half of the year. And I think they understand that. So it's going to be a very interesting final stretch coming out of the bye week. And it starts with the Chargers a week from Sunday on national television. And it should be should be an outstanding game. Now, one of the other things that highlighted this week in in the NFL was the NFL trade deadline was Tuesday, November 1st. And we saw a ton of trades, the most trades we've seen in the NFL on trade deadline day in 30 years. Um, a lot of impactful trades. And, you know, we could go through them one by one, but I'll just throw it to you. Which which trade acquisition? Obviously, McCaffrey is a huge one for the 49ers, and they were involved in two trades, sending Jeff Wilson to Miami for a fifth and trading a two, a three, and a four in this upcoming year's draft and a 2020, uh, 2024 fifth-round pick to Carolina for Christian McCaffrey. So the 49ers were involved in two major trades, and you can kind of make an argument that the Niners may have been one of the big winners because McCaffrey is clearly one of the most dynamic players that switched teams during this trade deadline cycle. But what do you think? What, what trade outside of the McCaffrey trade stuck out to you? Well, yeah, again, outside of the McCaffrey, I think McCaffrey – the McCaffrey trade is far and away the most impactful, both across the league and for the specific team that got him. Uh, it, I guess I would probably have to say maybe Chubb going to Miami just because it kind of makes them, you know, if you're going to win in the NF AFC, having a great offense is fine. But at some point you have to have that one game wrecker on your defense. That's going to get after Mahomes or Josh Allen and make them feel uncomfortable. Got to have that one guy. Um, so I think it's, that's impactful for them. Ultimately, I don't know if it makes that much of a difference though. And then I guess I like Roquan Smith to the Ravens. Um, I mean, the Ravens needed something to, to sort of mix it up. Um, you know, I, I still am high on the Ravens. I still think the Ravens are a team that could stealth, you know, make a run and, you know, they play such a knuckleball offense that, I, I could see them knocking anybody off in the playoffs. So I like Roquan Smith and and uh, what's his face there. I know their their linebacker Patrick Queen hasn't been playing very well. Um, but ultimately, as it, it was super fun, it felt like the NBA or MLB. All these trades happening. I guess it's a copycat league. You know, the Rams did it, and then I think also the Niners kind of put pressure on the league after they got McCaffrey. Um, I think that the one that didn't happen that would have had the biggest impact today was the story that the Rams, who apparently just have first round picks, like just flowing out of their butt. I don't know how they have them all, but apparently they offered two first rounders for Brian Burns. And uh, as a Niners guy, I'm very happy that didn't go down. Little surprise, Carolina didn't take him up on that one. That that is interesting. I'll say the two that stood out to me. Um, one, they both involve wide receivers. Calvin Ridley going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ridley suspended for the year because of gambling, but man, he was he's one of the better young receivers in pro football. And Trevor Lawrence, you know, look what they've look what they've done there as far as trying desperately to create some, some weaponry for Trevor. I mean, um, you know, they gave Christian Kirk a lot of money to go there. 
in free agency and kind of blew up the wide receiver market all in one swoop and then trading for Calvin Ridley. And it's all, and it sound, they sound like the Jaguars are protected, um, you know, and the Falcons are as well, as far as the compensation, if they sign the Jaguars sign Ridley to an extension, the Jaguars will wind up getting a, a second round draft choice. There's multiple picks going back, but it seems like, you know, it seems equitable for both sides, but I love, I love Calvin Ridley uh, as a player, and yeah, he he gambled on the NFL, he broke the rules, and that's bad. But I still think that's a terrific trade. Um, and Blair, before you move off of that one, yeah. do you have an explanation for? I have not heard like the explanation, like how the hell did he go for only what was it, a fifth round pick? Well, it, it's a twenty twenty three fifth round pick and a twenty twenty four conditional pick that can be a second round pick if he signs long term. So if he signs long term, it's a second. If he has a good year, it's a third. If he has a lesser year, it's a fourth. You know, at worst, it's going to be a fourth and a fifth. At best, it's going to be a second and a fifth. To me, either way, it seems like a pretty favorable deal uh, for the Jaguars. And that's Trent Baalke, by the way, who made that made that trade. So I like that trade quite a bit. Um, and I think that's a trade that's going to help. Um, Jacksonville long term, and it may give them the, the exact weapon that they're looking for for Trevor Lawrence, you know, as far as long term. The other one I really liked was I like, um, you know, quietly the Vikings are having a very nice year. And if you really look at look at their weapons, you got Kirk Cousins, you got Dalvin Cook, you got Alexander Madison who there were a lot of teams that wanted to trade for Madison, the backup running back to Dalvin Cook. Now you add TJ Hawkinson, you all at tight end. Irv Smith has had an injury, so they needed a tight end, and they get Hawkinson from Detroit. Uh, they also have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, um, you know, some pretty good, pretty good players in the secondary, Patrick Peterson. Uh, you know, they've got some, they've got a defense that's good on all three levels. I think the Vikings are quietly kind of, you know, they're kind of beneath the radar. But I would say, you know, while everybody's talking about Philly and Dallas and the Niners and, you know, other teams, it, you know, Tampa or Green Bay, I think people are sleeping on Minnesota. And Minnesota getting TJ Hawkinson gives them just another really dangerous red zone weapon. So I thought I liked what Minnesota did. I thought Minnesota had a really, and then I'll say this: the other one I liked is maybe I'm too wide receiver centric, but Kadarius Tony is is the human joystick, and he's got the stop and start ability that very few receivers have. What he hasn't had, he's had some problems just staying healthy, and it seems like he deals with issues in a structured environment, but. You know, I think he needed a little bit more structure than what the Giants were offering. And for him to go to Kansas City, where they have McCole Hardman and and Mahomes throwing the rock, and, you know, they just got a lot of weapons, obviously Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think Kadarius Toney it could be a very, very dangerous weapon in that Chiefs passing game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if there's – they're kind of like the Warriors. Like, it's like – if if a guy goes or like the Patriots used to be, you get a guy like Tony in there and you're, if anybody's going to get it out of him, it's going to be the chiefs. I, I thought you were going to say chase Claypool. I mean, I think that that was a little bit of a head. That was a bizarre move because he went for a second round a pick. Second. He's not playing well. And he went yeah. to a team in the bears. that's not going anywhere. And that might as well be like a late first, like, like, cause of how, crappy the bears are the Although talk was is that, that chicago jumped in over the packers the packers offered their second mm-hmm. round pick and then the steelers said oh wait a second the packers second round picks could be middle of the round and then they got the bears interested and they played these two rivals off one another um and that's how they won i think the steelers are going to wind up where you're right with like the 35th pick in the draft or you yeah. know 40th pick in the draft Especially after they just traded for they just traded to Roquan, it's kind of like oh, are they blowing it up? I mean, I li- I do like the just all of the compensation aside. I think that's the right kind of guy for a Justin Fields or like you know he would have been good with Lamar Jackson, just like the big guy with the long wingspan kind of, that can just go up and get it. That's the kind of guy that Justin Fields is going to be having to throw to. Um, that like those kind of guys in tight ends, so. 
And I think also they're seeing some improvement from fields and they don't want to wait until next April to get them a weapon. And if you get Claypool in there now, uh, you get the rest of this year, you get whatever off season, these guys can work out together and start building that chemistry. You know, if you waited, you know, yeah, there's a lot of good free agent wide receivers, but you know, it's like, and there's always a good receivers in the draft, but you know, there's, it's a process. So you want to get guys in their prime and Claypool's now going to be entering his prime and he's underachieved in Pittsburgh. Let's be honest. He started really hot and, and um, it hasn't happened for him this year. And, you know, now he gets a change of venue and we'll see if he can become the number one weapon uh, there at Soldier Field. Yeah. Uh, still, though, I going back to the Ridley thing, like that, does that give you the feeling that maybe they already kind of have a deal pre-worked out to extend him? Because, I mean, that's the one thing I'd worry about. It's like, I don't know how many guys want to go play in Jacksonville. I mean, maybe I guess I guess, you know, Lawrence throws it a little bit more down the field than uh, than Mariota does. But maybe they just felt like they had to do this trade in order to get him in there and the I, I I just don't understand how he went for like less than Chase Claypool, even with you know a little bit less on his contract. Like he's like it's still a top ten guy at, his, at the wide receiver position or fifteen. It just seemed yeah, like I mean, you're honestly. definitely not paying. You're definitely getting a cut rate price on him, partly because maybe you know there's concerns about his makeup. Right. I mean, why is he gambling on the NFL? You know, why is he the only person getting caught? Uh, Does he have kind of a anti, you know, as he doesn't go on, go with the flow? I mean, who knows? I mean, we really don't know what the deal is. If you're just saying on talent, though. Yeah. I think Calvin Ridley is worth more than uh, Chase Claypool. And I like them both, to be honest. But Ridley, I think, is a top He's the he's a top ten NFL young wide receiver, and I would say Claypool's more top thirty. Yeah, and it just makes me feel like wouldn't you have been better off drafting? I mean, London's played really well, but maybe drafting a different position in the first round and then just holding on and then signing Ridley. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, Arthur Smith's doing a good job, so but maybe he probably knows something we don't. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and maybe they had this on their list to do is to to move Ridley, you know, by the trade deadline yeah. and go with a new. I mean, they definitely have Pitts in London, and those are their kind of their main weapons going forward. And maybe there's a betrayal there when you when your players gambled and broke rules like that. That you know, maybe he, they wanted to make an example of him and get him out of their locker room. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, very exciting. Uh, how are you feeling about just like them? I mean, I'm kind of bummed out about them being on a buy just because it's been so crazy uh, covering the team. I feel like all of a sudden it's like, you know, we're taking a step back and it's like, I don't know what to do. Why are we not at camp all day today or practice uh, all day today? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that. I, I do think, though, the buy comes at the perfect time for the 49ers because, I mean, you know, the Kansas City game was rough and the Ram game was physical. And, you know, you're watching guys fall like flies. And um, it's just a. I just personally think that, you know, it, they were losing one or two guys a week every week. So this at least allows them to catch their breath, kind of take a look at the rest of the season and see if they can, you know, start getting healthier. And, you know, the 49ers have a terrific roster. And um, if Jimmy can continue to play, you know, not mistake free because he doesn't play mistake free, but if he can just minimize the crucial errors um, and get the ball out to his weapons and the defense can get a little healthier, it probably adds up to a trip to the Super Bowl, to be honest. I mean, now a lot of people love the Eagles and there's people that love Minnesota and Dallas and, you know, maybe even a couple other teams. But the 49ers are the team that has the experience. The 49ers are the team that's played in the Super Bowl. They're the team that's played in the NFC Championship game. They're the team that every guy on the roster has gone on the road and won playoff games. They're battle-tested. You know, Shanahan, Garoppolo, the roster, they're not going to shake in their boots or shake at all if they have to go into Philadelphia. Um, you know, they would take that field in Philadelphia expecting to win. So it doesn't mean they're going to win, but I'm just saying they're not going to be – the moment is not going to be too big. And so the 49ers in a lot of ways are are sitting in a really, really good position because they have been there before. They've got an enormously talented roster. And now the guys who handle the football 
for them on the offensive side are all pretty dynamic. You're getting a 4-3 running back who's been rested back. Uh, Uke's having his bust-out year. Uh, Debo's due for a big second half. McCaffrey looks primed for, you know, great things. Kittle's, you know, we're here in November. He's healthy. Um, you know, they've, they've got a guard tandem of Banks and Burford that, you know, really look good. So we'll see. We'll see what they can uh, what they can do. But I think it definitely – the 49ers are in the mix for sure. Whether they'll get there or not, time will tell. But um, they're not going to be intimidated going to Philly if that's the, if that's the route. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if you ask me, like, oh, Bills, uh, like if you could take for the Super Bowl, Bills and Bills and Eagles or everyone else, uh, you know, you, I wouldn't even think twice about saying everyone else. I, I still, you know, I still feel like the Bills, uh, this is a little Colin Cowherdy of me, but I do feel like the Bills have not yet proven, in, you know, they, they, that was like the first kind of time where they really showed up in the playoffs last year in that crazy 13 second game. But ultimately, you know, they didn't get it done. And I don't know. I still just kind of trust Kansas City uh, a little bit more than them. And the Eagles, I mean, Jalen Hurts, you know, fell on his face in the playoffs last year. And I think it actually helps the Niners if the Eagles roll, keep rolling and, uh, you know, maybe only have one loss on the year, or two losses, because I think that if the Niners play them at their place and, you know, punch them in the mouth early, I don't know how they're going to respond. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Buffalo's got a tremendous roster. I mean, Von Miller, you know, is one of the main reasons the Rams went to the Super Bowl last year. Now he's in Buffalo. And so you got Von Miller and Ed Oliver up front. Um, and you know, they're, they're not in, in Tremaine Edmonds is an incredible middle backer with size and speed. Um, and they've got some, you know, they've got some tough players in the secondary, nobody's special, but Dane Jackson's tough Teron Johnson. Um, you know, the, they've got some nice, obviously Tredavious white, you know, is a, is a big time player back there. So they've got some good players and then, and then receiver wise, I mean, Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and Dawson Knox. I mean, uh, that's those are good receivers they just added Naheem Hines to Devin Singletary you got James Cook out of the backfield pretty decent offensive line so I mean they're they're solid they're solid Josh Allen playing at a really really high level I think Kansas City's a little bit better I think Kansas City's you know Kansas City's it's got a lot of speed they got a lot of difference makers on defense they got Mahomes and experience too like they just have so much experience and the Bills are quietly one of the more banged up teams and you know if they just keep losing guys in the secondary and it, it could you know things That's could change be a factor that is absolutely going to be a factor there's just no doubt in my mind these teams that right now um look like world beaters it could look quite a bit different by the time the playoffs roll around i mean you're talking about two and over two full months of football ahead and guys go down every week in the nfl so, you know, it's the way it's the way you play the day you play, as the as they would say. And uh, so we'll see how healthy these teams are. But right now, as they head into the bye, um, I would say the 49ers and Eagles and Vikings and Cowboys look like the best teams in the NFC and the AFC. It's I would say Kansas City, uh, Buffalo, Buffalo, Kansas City, whatever way you want to group it. And then. You know, it's hard to say, but maybe Miami, you know, the the Dolphins look pretty good. There was a week or so there. The Patriots look pretty good. Then they kind of regressed. And there's Baltimore with Roquan Smith. They could be in the mix. I think that, you know, that trade definitely improves their run defense. So that's probably it. It's probably Baltimore, Buffalo, Kansas City, maybe Miami in the AFC and, uh, and Niners, uh, Minnesota, Dallas, and um, and Philadelphia in the NFC, and we'll see. We'll see where it all shakes out. You know what? Who? Here's a question for you. Who do you think? So the Packers, the Rams, and the Bucks all have three wins. The Rams have played one less game. Who do you? Without looking at the schedule, like who? Who in your mind is going to turn it around the most? Who's going to end up with the most wins of that group? Between the Packers, the Rams, and the Bucks, I would say yeah. the Bucks. 
the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe in the Packers' defense. I, I've seen it a few times. I'm not impressed. The Rams have a bad offensive line. I think the Rams are not going to make the playoffs. The Rams are too top-heavy, real thin. They'll probably have just a regular number of injuries. That should take them out of it. So I'll say the Bucks somehow circle the wagons with Brady and some good athletes on defense. But I don't love, love any of those teams, to be honest. But and it, the thing is, it's like n- neither do I. But it's just one of them is going to turn it around. Like it's just how how the NFL works. Uh, the Rams. I mean, if you're looking for off the pace teams, yeah. I, I would look. At, I would look at you know Falcons with Mariota playing well. Saints defensively look really really good. If somehow Jameis got back in there, um, they could surprise. So those to me are the the teams that could could surprise. Maybe the Falcons. Um, maybe the Saints. Is there another one? Maybe the Titans. You know, the Titans now. We'll see what Malik Willis does. Uh, the, the Titans are a pretty solid team. We get Titans Chiefs this week on national TV Sunday Night yep. Football. The Titans That's going to be well. a hell of a game. And we get Raven Saints on Monday night in the in the Superdome. And I think that could be a very, very, you know, good defensive slugfest. And and then Bucks Rams like it's like that 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 there is a test like it's like who which one are you like who is I don't have no idea who to pick in that game like they're both skidding so hard um, I'd probably go with the Bucks at home Bucks that'd at be home. my guess so yeah. I guess this would be my, the, like another way of asking it other than the Eagles Niners Falcons and Cowboys if I was to give you a free thousand dollars and and said you you have to pick another NFC team to win the Super Bowl I'm going Minnesota you're going no 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 not Minnesota included so you said Dallas Philly Niners and Minnesota yeah other than those four uh I guess I was thinking Packers. I guess I would I would say Seahawks. I think yeah. the Seahawks have something special going. Geno's playing at a high level. The, they've got a recipe for how they win. Kenneth Walker is a great young back, and they have they have two really good rookie tackles, and they got two really good rookie corners. Um, and you know the boy Mafe, you know, rushing the passer, and Kenneth Walker as a runner. I mean, John Schneider had a terrific draft, and as the season plays out. Out, I think you're starting to see it up close. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd go Seattle. I think Seattle's, you know, I don't. Seattle's probably going to get beat along the way, but um, the way Geno's playing and and the positives I've seen from their draft class, I'm, I'll I'll take a flyer on them. Yeah, I mean that Niner game up there is going to be something else because all of a sudden the twelfth man thought that they had. I thought that they'd left with Russell Wilson, but it's they're going to, they, I'm pretty sure they just love this team up there. And how could you not? How could you and not dynamic story? going right now with them? Yeah. It's, it, they may wind up making the playoffs and getting the first pick in the draft. So, <laughs> you know, they, that's, that's really intriguing. And I think they're going to be kind of buoyed by that as the season continues, knowing that they've got what Denver's number one yeah. pick and Denver could be, you know, the, worst team in football by the end and they could wind up you know uh, legitimately uh, advancing in the nfc playoffs so yeah i think seattle i think niner fans were hoping that seattle would would uh you know fall into the abyss and uh, never be heard from again but it's obviously not going to happen i yeah i couldn't agree more and uh as far as this week's games there's no niners game so no 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 real pick for us um, you know, I haven't really completely analyzed the slate as far as uh, gambling goes, but do you have any games that pop out there for you that you're 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 uh, you feel like you have a good feel on? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I just think that the Falcons have been really good at home this year. They're at home against the Chargers. Um, it's Falcons uh, getting three at home. I kind of like that. Um. What else stands I out? They um, I hope they lose so they they can play a a, a Chargers team coming off a loss. Or I mean, coming off a win. Yeah, I I I definitely like uh, Seattle to beat Arizona in Arizona. It's Arizona favored by two. Um, that stands out to me, and I like the under 
in uh, in Baltimore Saints. You know, it's Baltimore's a two and a half point favorite in the dome. I think that's a low scoring game. I think Saints defense is playing well. Ravens just added Roquan Smith. Uh, both teams will be sky high. You know, I think there'll be some offensive struggles. I like the under 48 in that one. I think I'm I think I think the ones I'm really liking. I like the commanders at home getting three and a half to the Vikings. Um, I don't know how this whole Dan Snyder thing affects things, but I don't know. I'm choosing to believe it's uh it's it's a it puts a little pep in their step, and I just love the Heineke experience. So give me the commies in that one. Honestly, a little sprinkle a little on the money line. I gotta think that the Packers. I gotta think the Packers are gonna win by more than three and a half at the Lions. Like, what are they gonna lose five games in a row? I I feel like they're due to win one by margin. Um, I kind of like the Panthers on the road getting seven at the Bengals. You know, the Bengals just kind of showed uh, what a big deal it is that they lost Jamar Chase. And actually, I mean, PJ Walker looks freaking good, and uh, they should be feeling pretty good about themselves. And then I don't, Panthers have not won on the road, though. And I think the Bengals are going to be better at home this week. You think so? Yeah. Okay. That's, not one, that's not one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, I like the Rams um, catching three at Tampa. I like, oh, and then, you know what? Just, I like the, I like the Titans plus 12 and a half. I don't care if Malik Willis is back there passing for 50 yards. Vrabel just always plays those guys tough. So um, I, I, I feel in honor of Vrabel and, and, uh, and how tough his team is and how little respect they get at five and two. I'm going to take the 12 and a half. Yeah, that's a tough one, too. That's an arrowhead, and it's a primetime game at arrowhead. I know. Uh, and then who knows? It could be cold, too. So tractor, that's tractor Cito season. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's tough to say. The NFL is such a crapshoot. I'll tell you the game that I would love to watch is Bill's Jets from MetLife. I love yeah. Jets are catching 12 and a half. Um, and it's one thing to give points with Buffalo in Buffalo, but at you know the the Jets are playing pretty good. The Jets are five and three. Um, I, I think the Jets hang around in that game. Interesting, interesting. And then uh, I I gotta ask you about uh, college football. We got two great games. Two well more than that, more than two, but the two that I'm looking at. LSU at home to Alabama. LSU is a little bit of a schizophrenic team, um, but they've looked really good uh, these past couple of weeks. And that's kind of like a Brian Kelly signature, right? You know, getting better throughout the season. I don't know, man. They're, they're catching 13 and a half points in Louisiana, in the Superdome, or not in the Superdome, uh, in uh, Tiger Stadium. In, in, yeah, in Tiger Stadium, Baton Rouge. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to have to take LSU and uh, Brian Kelly's first his first stab at uh, Nick Saban. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, that's 13 and a half. So two touchdowns covers. I probably would lean. I probably would go with that. I kind of like K-State on the money line at in Manhattan against Texas. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Texas is overrated. K-State's been playing well. They got the running back who's super fast. Um, and you've got Adrian Martinez, the Nebraska transfer. He's played well. Uh, K-State's six and two, um, four and one inside the Big 12. You know, Texas is five and one, three and two in the Big 12. But, you know, this is this is in Manhattan, Kansas. I, I, I like I like K-State uh, to win outright there. Um, and yeah, then it says no toughness. I like Clemson to beat Notre Dame by more than three and a half at touchdown. Jesus, uh, in South Bend and Clemson's got a perfect record. Everybody says they're not legit. I think that's going to, that's going to stick in their craw. This is not a vintage Notre Dame team by any stretch. Um, so I like that. What else? Oh, uh, the, big, the big, the biggest one of them all, uh, Georgia, Minus eight versus Tennessee. Yeah, I like Georgia. I like Georgia, you know, you know between the hedges to, to beat Athens Tennessee. Too. Yeah, I mean, the, Georgia's the best team. They got the veteran quarterback, though they did lose Nolan. Is it Nolan Smith, I believe, for the year? 
uh, their linebacker. He's really good. So that's a loss. But I mean, these these some of these top teams in the SEC are just, you know, the injuries. They've this they're unaffected by injuries because they're just so deep. Yeah, I like Georgia there. I like Georgia definitely to beat Tennessee. Tennessee, you know, Herndon's good. They got a good offense. Um, but no, the Georgia's defense will outclass them. I definitely like Tennessee. I definitely like Georgia. Um, I also I like Tennessee. Um I like uh I like, you know, it's funny, the SC Cal game is gonna be a fun game to watch. That's gonna be 7 30 down at the Coliseum. And I just think that that Cal hangs in that game. I would take Cal in the points. It's SC, you know, 21 and a half point favorites, but you know what? These these schools are. I mean, yeah, SC's really really good, but Cal's not intimidated, and um, you know, um, Cal's head coach is a tremendous. Uh, w- Justin Wilcox is a tremendous uh, coach as an underdog, and they just hang. They you know they always keep the game low scoring, and then you're getting twenty one and a half. So I would get down on that before that gets to twenty and a half. I'll I'll take Cal plus twenty one and a half. That you may that hook may be you know may look huge by the end of the day. And then if you're if you're going to play around on some games, I I kind of like uh, the teaser with Utah. You know Utah at home is re- it's a really tough place to play. It looks like a big number. It's seventeen and a half. But if you know on the seven and a half point teaser, you can get that down to Utah minus ten. And Utah, I think Utah minus ten over Arizona is a lock. So I, I like I like Utah. Now, if you could find another team to put with that on the teaser, maybe you go, maybe you tease Georgia. You know, so it's Georgia at home minus a half against Tennessee, and then you pair that with Utah minus ten at home against Arizona. That might be my two teamer right there. I think, and then I think my favorite play of the day is taking. I want to take the points with Texas Tech. I think that this is. Uh, I think TCU is on upset watch this week. I'm going to take the points with Texas Tech. Parlay it, not even tease it. Parlay the points plus nine and a half with the over. We're going to see a shootout. <laughs> that's going to be. That's going to be a fun one. The over under sixty nine in that game. Give it to me. <laughs> Feed it to me, baby. <laughs> So you like Texas Tech um, to win the game or just to hang within the points? I like them just to hang, but I will sprinkle a little on the money line. But plus, mm. not I mean, they're just nine and a half. I think I think uh, I think it's about time for I think it's about time for TCU to go down. Yeah, and of course, you know um, that. Oh no, that's that's. Uh, I was going to say we're getting close to to uh, the Thanksgiving Day games, but not quite yet. But yeah, there's you know college football. College football, there was Wednesday night college football, Tuesday night college football, Thursday night college football, Friday night, every night except for Monday night, there's been college football. Yeah, I think there's football every day for the Maction, Maction. Yeah, Maction, baby. Yeah, the Maction <laughs> on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. All right. Well, you know, we're, we're uh, coming up on an hour um, and I, I think it's time to wrap but this was a fun one you know just kind of looking around the league a little bit getting our bearings it's going to be fun to you know sort of scout the rest of the league not just the Niners this week I think absolutely be a fun week to watch the red zone and see who's uh see if we can put together back-to-back wins in fantasy <laughs> absolutely uh, there you go there you go uh and with that I uh, this is the Tales from the Bay podcast uh Please make sure to search search out. We have our brand new uh, Tales from the Bay RSS feed. It's no longer on Gridiron. You now search Tales from the Bay on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, five stars, all that good stuff. Subscribe. Uh, check out the Krug Show on YouTube. And yeah, uh, it's an exciting week, a nice bye week for us too. And we're going to be back with a ton of energy getting ready to break down uh, Chargers Niners next week. Sounds good, man. We'll see you then. 